right, so, um, so meanwhile, the, the women go back and they're telling the disciples, and the disciples think these women who they've known and loved and have been fellow servants with them, they think if these women are out, are out of their mind. You know, what are you talking about? You know, so Peter runs down to take a look. And then we kind of jump into uh, Luke, um, starting at uh, verse uh, about 13. And two men, two of the fellow, they were fellow disciples. They weren't among the 12, uh, now 11. Uh, but they, are, they live in a town called Emmaus. And Emmaus is about seven miles west of Jerusalem. And they're walking back and talking about the things that had happened uh, that day. Remember when Jesus said, I think it's in Matthew 18, he said, when two or more are gathered together in my name that I will be there. You guys remember that? This is actually the first recorded incident of two or more being together in his name. There's two of them. They're walking down the road together, and then all of a sudden Jesus just shows up in the midst of them. Well, let's just pick it up. Uh, verse 13, it says, And behold, two of them were traveling the same day, to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all the things that had happened. Remember now, the feast was, this was the seven-day feast. It starts out with unleavened bread and then the Passover. So they were there, uh, they were there for about seven days. I mean, all of Jerusalem is a buzz. Everybody, there's not anyone that does not know what has happened over the last few days. And so it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. This is not uh, too uncommon as you're traveling along the road. Sometimes there were robbers and thieves and bandits on this road. And so it was kind of, you know, a good thing for people to join together, travel in groups. And so they're traveling together. And Jesus is just kind of listening. I kind of envisioned then that, you know, they're walking, the two of them, and Jesus shows up and Maybe one's on his left and one's on his right, and they're walking along. And it says that uh, while they conversed, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. What, you know, I mean, this is so interesting because I'm, I'm thinking, what is Luke getting at? I mean, we're at the end of Luke's gospel. This is the last chapter of Luke. And Luke is saying that somehow... God had closed their eyes so that they could not recognize Jesus. And he, and he says to them, what kind of conversation is this that you're having with one another as you walk and you're sad? And some of the translation says uh, that their faces were downcast. But it says as soon as they said that, one of the translations says that they stopped. I can imagine the three of them walking and Jesus is saying, you know, to them, to the two of them, why are you sad? They're walking along. And why are you sad? And, you know, why, are, why is your countenance down? And one of the translations says that they, like, stopped. The two of them, like, stopped. And Jesus, like, kind of kept going. And, and he, like, looks back. And it's like they're, they're just, like, bewildered. You know, what is going on? I mean, you know, and then, listen, let's go on. And one of them, whose name was Cleophas, answered him and said, you know, almost in a sarcastic way, kind of like, you know, are you, only, are you only a stranger in Jerusalem, and have you not known the things that has happened there in these days? And Jesus said back to them, what things? I mean, it's just like Cleophas is like, man, have you been under a rock? Have you been hiding? Where have you been? I mean, haven't you heard about what's going on the last few days here in Jerusalem? And... Um, 
And Jesus says to them, what things? And he's kind of just like, you know, you got to think about why is he saying this? He knows. I mean, but Jesus is kind of like baiting them. It's like they have come to a place in their walk. They've come to a place in their faith. But it's time for them to go on and take the next few steps. And so he says to them, what things? And so they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. Now, the Old Testament, we understand that the Bible says that the people were looking for a Messiah that would come, that would be a, uh, a prophet, a priest, and a king. And uh, when he came to earth the first time, he was a prophet. And now he is a priest. The Bible tells us that he is in heaven right now, sitting at the right hand of God, interceding for you and I. And uh, that when he comes back, that he will sit on the throne of David and he will rule forever. It says, but they said, um, so he said to them, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priest, now notice this, we talked about you know, this earlier, we were, we've been in a study here for about the last five or six weeks in the Gospel of Luke, and how the people, you know, how Jesus is in, in, verse, in chapters 4, 5, and 6, how Jesus is already having these encounters with the religious leaders, and how they're bumping heads, and yet these guys know, let me read verse 20, it says, and how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. It's like right away the whole town knows what has happened and why it happened, that Jesus has been crucified, and he was crucified by the leaders, the chief priests and the rulers, and they condemned him to death to be crucified. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. And indeed, besides, all of this is the third day. That's important. We'll come back to that in a moment. Since all of these things that have happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early, talking about that day, that morning, they astonished us. And notice that these two men uh, uh, named themselves, that he says that, and certain women of our, com our company, that he identified himself as being one of the disciples or among the disciples and known by the apostles. These weren't just two strangers that happened to be in Jerusalem that day. They were known and knew the apostles and knew Jesus personally. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the, t at the tomb astonished us when they did not find his body and came and saying that he had, they had also seen visions of angels who said that he was alive. And certain of uh, those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women said, but him, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ uh, to have suffered these things and to entered into his glory? And beginning at Moses and the prophets, he expounded to them, all the scriptures and the things concerning himself. And as they drew near the village where they were going, he indicated that he would have gone on further. And again, it's just that kind of a baiting thing. You know, it's just like, you know, uh, why, why, would he, why would he suggest that? Why would he even act like he's going on a little farther? And it says, but they constrained him, saying, abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. Remember, they've already walked about seven miles. And he went uh, in to stay with them, and now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them, and he took bread, 
and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they knew him. They knew him. They recognized Jesus. And they said, and then he vanished from their sight, and they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, while he opened the scriptures to us? It was the opening of the scripture that made them know who Jesus really was. Yes, they knew him as a prophet. Yes, they knew him as a good man. Yes, they knew him as a teacher, but they could not see him as God in the flesh. And they certainly could not see him as God being put to death. They had hoped that he would be the Redeemer. But now their eyes are open because the Scriptures have been opened to them. And it goes on to say that, and they said to one another, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked to us? And he opened the Scriptures to us. And so they rose up. Remember, they've already traveled seven miles, and they had just sat down for a meal. But they're so excited now. I mean, they are so pumped. They've got to tell somebody. They've got to tell somebody that they have seen the risen Lord. And it says that they went back that seven-mile distance. They rose up that very hour, returned to Jerusalem, and found the 11, the disciples, and those that were gathered with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. This is an interesting statement here because we don't see anywhere in the Scripture where this account actually happens. But it's saying here, he's saying here that Jesus has appeared to Simon Peter. The first one, the first, even Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I think it's about verse 3, says that Paul, that Jesus appeared to Simon first. Why do you think that happened? You know, why did he go to Peter first? I mean, I mean, there are a number of reasons. I mean, there are a number of reasons that, that I could think of. One is that, uh, you know, that it was Peter, the first one, that said when Jesus asked the question, who do men say that I am? And Peter says, well, I believe that you are, when Jesus asked him, who do you think that I am? Jesus said, or Peter said, I believe that you're the Messiah. I believe that you're the son of the living God. And, and Jesus replied to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. He said, because flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you. Only my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from man. You learned it from my God and my Father in heaven. Or it could be because Peter denied him and was brokenhearted and kind of maybe hid himself. And, and Jesus goes to Peter first. And, and I can just see, you know, if, that, if this is the situation, Jesus kind of putting his arm around Peter and saying, Peter, it's okay. You know, you've sinned. We've all sinned. The Bible says all of us have sinned, and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And I can see Jesus just kind of consoling Peter. You know, the Bible says that after Peter denied Jesus that third time, and then he hears the rooster crow, that he went out and wept bitterly. And I can see Peter still in that state of just brokenness. I mean, you know, when you've blown it and you're just like, you know, you just can't seem to get over it. It's just like, you know, you're so hurt, you're so heart grieved. And Jesus shows up and, 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 and encourages Peter and it's like, Peter, it's going to be okay. But did they really believe? It says that um, they say to him that he opened the scriptures, verse 34, they say, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. 
Now, as they said these things, remember, they, they've traveled seven, seven miles. They've gone to the house or the place where the disciples are staying. And as they are telling this story, all of a sudden, Jesus himself shows up. And Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said, peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he, being God also, knowing their thoughts, he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? And then he says, behold my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Handle me, for a spirit does not have flesh and bone. Notice that he doesn't say flesh and blood because I believe that he poured out every last drop of blood on the cross for the shedding of his blood for our sins. He says, notice that a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Now listen to this. But while they still did not believe, for joy and marvel, he said to them, have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate it in their presence. And he said to them, these are the words that I spoke, which I spoke while I was with you, that all must be fulfilled, which was written in the law of Moses and the prophets of the Psalms. That's simply just talking about the Old Testament, the, word, the only word of God that they had. They didn't have the New Testament at that time. But he's saying that everything had to be fulfilled, which was spoken in, by Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And then right here at this place, as he begins to expound the, the, the scripture, he begins to get, just kind of rehearse what he's already told them, that he opened their understandings that they might comprehend the scripture. And then he said to them, thus it is written and thus it is necessary that the Christ, that simply means the, the anointed one, the son of God, was to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day and that repentance, notice this, and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations. There are several points that I want to make and we'll be dismissed. Notice this. Number one, point number one, they could not or did not see, but their eyes were restrained, so they did not see him or they did not know him. Now, what is this all about? I mean, what is Luke doing here? What is God doing here? Why is God trying to hide their eyes from Jesus, the Messiah? And we'll find out in just a few moments. Number two, they didn't understand. You know, they had hoped, they were looking for the, the prophet and the uh, priest and the king to show up and it says that uh, they were disappointed because they were looking for a redeemer and you can read into redeemer prophet priest and king but I believe that they were talking about something more than that even in Luke chapter 1 it speaks about God sending a redeemer what does that mean I believe that they were referring to Psalm 130 that says my soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman waits for the morning. More than the watchman waits for the morning. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. I believe that these guys were saying, you know what? A prophet, yes, we were looking for a prophet. We were looking for a priest. We were looking for a king, but more than that, we don't have a right relationship with God. We don't have right standing with God. We were looking and hoping for a redeemer that would make us right with God. And we hoped that it would be this man right here. 
And, you know, there had been others that had come along that they had thought maybe it's going to be this one, it's going to be this one. You know, if I can put it to you in modern terms, it's kind of like if you're a cowboy fan, um, uh, you know, and, and you get to about, you know, November, and you realize the season's over in November, and you're thinking, gosh, we had hoped that this was going to be the year, but it's not. This is not the year. So, you know, and that's kind of what they were thinking. We had hoped that it was going to be, that Jesus was going to be the Redeemer. We hoped that he was going to be the one. And he was so close, but a, re a Redeemer can't be killed. The Redeemer of Israel can't be crucified and die. And so all of our hopes have vanished. And we have no hope at all because we thought it was going to be this man, Jesus, Point number three, they couldn't remember or they didn't remember. Verse uh, seven and eight, it says, remember, these are the angels speaking to the women, how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the son of man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day and raised again. And then they remembered his words. And then in another place, Jesus says, and this is also uh, in Genesis well, in Matthew chapter 16, 21, 17, 23, and in Matthew 20, 19, he says to them these very words that the Son of Man is going to be handed over to sinful men. He is going to be crucified. He would be put to death, and then he will be raised on the third day. And then they might have thought about some of the words that Jesus said to the religious leaders. He says, I'm not giving you any sign at all except for the sign of the prophet Jonah. He says, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And then they may have also remembered this, that Jesus answered them, the religious leaders, destroy this temple, he was talking about his body, and I will raise it up in three days. And the Jews replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and are you going to raise it up in three days? And you may also remember that in the gospel, as Jesus was being crucified, as he's hanging there on the cross, that they mocked him, saying, hey, you that are going to destroy the temple and raise it up in three days, raise yourself up, get off the cross. They didn't remember. They didn't remember the word of God. And sometimes I think about that myself, my own life, when you know, problems arise in my life. I'm going through difficulties, and uh, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit will bring a scripture or a verse to mind, and it's like the Holy Spirit is, you know, reminding me, hey, Ron, you know, I said I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Or the Holy Spirit will remind me when I'm going through a time of trial that I'm going to always be there to comfort you, that I will lead you and guide you along life's every path. And so, you know, I just want to encourage us this morning, you know, to not forget the Word of God. It's important that, you know, uh, and we'll see in just a moment, that as Jesus caused their eyes to be open, caused their understanding to be open, how did he do that? He didn't do it with another miracle. He didn't do it with, you know, uh, um, you, you know by uh, opening the eyes of the blind or raising the dead. He didn't do it with anything except the Word of God. Finally, we read here that they didn't believe. I mean, these are unbelieving believers. They believed up to a point, and, and this may be the, the crux of where I'm going today because I believe in our lives that sometimes we get to a point. We believe up to a point, and then we stop, and we don't have faith to go beyond that point. And I believe that that's where 
they were. Notice, these are believers. These are the disciples. He says, Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me, for a spirit does not have flesh and bone, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe. What was it that they did not believe? They did not believe that a person was there? No, I believe that they believed that. They did not believe that that person was Jesus? No, I believe that they believed that that person was Jesus. What was it that they didn't believe? I believe, I believe, <laughs> that they believed that Jesus was not God in the flesh. And I believe that they thought in their heart that God could not be put to death. And I think at that moment, as he begins to reveal the Scripture, he starts with Moses, and then the prophets, and then the Psalms, and he begins to explain every Scripture. And you can read in Psalm 22, uh, we can read in Isaiah 53 about a suffering uh, Messiah, suffering Savior. Uh, Psalm, the Psalm speaks about how they have pierced my hands and my feet, but they have not broken a bone on my body. They have cast lots for my garments. I, uh, Zechariah chapter 12 says, they will look on him whom they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. I believe that as he began to share the scriptures to him, you know, he was pointing to the scriptures and he's saying, this is the word of God and the word of God is talking about me and here I am, I'm standing right here before you. And I'm not just a good teacher and I'm not just a prophet, I am the Messiah, the one that the prophets spoke of. And, you know, this is a classic example of what Jesus was talking about in Luke chapter 16 when he was telling the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And remembering the story that both of them died and the rich man went to hell, and Lazarus went to heaven, the poor man went to heaven, and he's in, he's in paradise, and he's in Abraham's bosom, and, and, and Lazarus is trying to bargain with Abraham, and he, or excuse me, the rich man is trying to bargain with Abraham, and he says, send Lazarus back. Send Lazarus back and let him tell my brothers about this place, kind of like the ten virgins. Five of them were ready, but five of them were not ready. And, and the rich man is saying, send Lazarus back because if my brothers can see a resurrected one, someone that is raised from the dead, someone that they knew had died and now has been resurrected from the dead, telling this story about heaven and hell and life and death and light and darkness, if Lazarus goes back and speaks to my loved ones, they would believe. And let me pick up there. He says, I beg you, Father, Abraham, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not come to this place of torment. And Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. And that's just simply a way of saying they got the word of God. They have the word of God. What would he say to us today? He would say the same thing. They have the word of God. And if they won't listen to the Word of God, they're not going to listen to one raised from the dead. But think about this for a second. They had, these 12, had the Word of God. They had the Scripture that had been preached to them. And they had one 
standing in their midst that had been resurrected from the dead, and they still did not believe. They still did not believe. Well, so how do we get to that place where we believe? The Bible says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing the Word of God. That's from Romans chapter 10, verse 17. And notice this. It says that he opened at this point. You know, they, they still don't quite believe. They see Jesus there. They see the scars. They understand that there's a resurrection. But they still have not connected the dots. No, it's not just a prophet. It's not just a teacher. It's not just a good man. There's something that we're missing. There's something that we don't understand. And it says that just like the men or the two men on the road to Emmaus, that he, this is in verse 45, opened their minds to the disciples so that they could understand the Scripture. And he told them, this is what was written, that Christ would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And listen to this, guys, because this is the Easter message, and that repentance and forgiveness of sin will be preached into his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And that's just what I want to share with you in closing this morning, that repentance and forgiveness will be preached in his name. What does that mean? Well, let me tell you. You ever seen a bumper sticker that says born right the first time? What that's saying is I don't need to be born again. I don't need God. I got my own way to get to heaven. I've got this all, I got life figured out. I life figured out that I don't need to repent. I mean, I do good things, and sometimes I do some bad things, but my, at the end, my good deeds are going to outweigh my bad deeds, and I'm going to go to heaven. And that's what repentance is. Jesus said, it's not the healthy, it's not the whole that need a physician. But let me just tell you that when he said that, there was no one standing on the earth that was healthy or whole. Not one single person except for he himself. He is the only one that was healthy and whole. He's the only sinless one that's ever lived. And so when he speaks about repentance must be preached in his name, what that means is that I come to the place and I just say, God, my way of getting to heaven is not lining up with what your, with what your word says. And I repent of that. I repent of thinking that I am smarter than you, that I've got it figured out, that I can get to heaven on my own good deeds, on my own good merit, that I don't need you to get to heaven. And the Bible says that there is no salvation given to men whereby they can be saved except in the name of Jesus. And you might remember when the bridegroom uh, came out uh, that he said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man can come to the Father except through me. And Timothy says that there's one mediator, one door, one way, one mediator between God and man, and that is the man Christ Jesus. So that's what repentance is, is just acknowledging that you can't do it on your own, that you need Jesus in your life. And then forgiveness comes, because once we repent of that, once we acknowledge that we are in need of a Savior, then we can have forgiveness of our sins. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, you mean all of them? You mean my bad sins too? Because I got bad sins and I got good sins. 
That's what some of us think. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I don't care how bad you've been. I don't care what you've done. Not that I don't care. But I don't care how bad you've been or how, you know, what you've done, what kind of sins you've committed. You may think that you're the greatest sinner in this auditorium today. But let me just ask you something. You know, I want to take you back to the cross, and I want to take you to the place where Jesus is at the cross, hanging on the cross, and looking down at a crowd, a crowd of people that have just beat him. They have just mocked him. They have spat upon him. They have ridiculed him. They have nailed his hands to the cross. You ever done that? Did you do that to Jesus? Did you nail his hands to the cross? Did you take a sword and run it up through his side? I know you've been bad, but have you been that bad? Have you run a sword up through his side and seen the blood and the water come out? No, you haven't done that. But I want you to hear the words that he said to those that did that. Father, forgive them because they know not what they do. Can you hear that this morning? Can you hear it? Because he's saying it to you. He said it 2,000 years ago. And he's saying it to you this morning. Whatever you've done, wherever you've been, whatever you've done and whoever you've done it with, I want you to hear those words. Father, forgive them because they know not what they do. It's not about keeping rules. It's not about keeping regulations. It's about calling upon the name of God's Son and saying, Lord Jesus, have mercy upon me. I know, I know in my heart, I know the things that I think are wrong. I know the things that sometimes I do are wrong. And if you would just simply say, God, change me. Only you have. You don't have the power to change yourself. If you did, you'd already be changed. Isn't that right? You'd already be changed if you had the power to change yourself. And that's why we're here this morning, because we don't have the power to change ourselves. But we have a God that has the power to change us. And, amen?